Hello everybody, this is Chris from CSS Tricks with video screencast number 49. The topic this week is basically Photoshop. I'm just going to uh, uh, bust open Photoshop here and just talk a little bit about how I use it, uh, some tips and tricks I use in it, setting up documents, you know, all the way through exporting and just kind of rambling and hopefully you'll get some some kind of useful useful tricks for for Photoshop out of this. Um, sorry folks that don't have Photoshop. Um, there's free stuff like GIMP. I've never even used GIMP, but I'm aware of it. It's not like Photoshop is the only kid on the block. I realize that it's expensive and not everyone has it. Again, sorry about that, but it's kind of my opinion that if you're really serious about web design, serious about being a designer, period, that it's it's generally worth the investment. It's worth saving your pennies and investing in yourself and, 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 and buying Photoshop. Um, and it, maybe it's maybe there's even better stuff out there. I don't know. I've been using Photoshop for so long. I'm just comfortable with it. That's what I use. But it's an analogy kind of like playing the guitar, right? And I've used this analogy before in some other things, but I kind of like the guitar analogy. Maybe it's not the best instrument in the world. I don't know, right? I mean, it's a great instrument. We all agree. But 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 more importantly, when you pick an instrument to learn, it's a good one to pick because there's so many resources out there for learning the guitar, you know? I mean, there's a million sites that'll teach it to you. I even saw yesterday was this Apple's keynote thing at Macworld, and Sting will teach you to play the guitar and GarageBand on the Mac. There's so many resources for it, it's good to pick. Just like with Photoshop, there's so many sites like PSD Toots, whatever, all these sites that just have awesome tutorials for Photoshop. It's a good software to have for that reason because it's easier to get better at it. Okay, so so I have CS4. You see all these the icons with the white letters in them below are CS3. Uh, the, the Photoshop, I have purchased CS4. It's the only thing. I, it's the only thing I use like a ton, a ton. So I figured I'd save my money and just buy this only one thing. Let's start with a new document, actually. And <clears throat> so let's say... You're making a layout for a brand new website, right? And you've, you've already kind of decided, or maybe you haven't decided, but you're just kind of thinking about size and layout and stuff. A lot of the, One of the popular numbers to use these days is 960 pixels, you know, for width, because it fits nicely in 1024 monitors, which a lot of people have still. Uh, and it's just kind of, a, it's, got, it's got some good width to it, it's good, and it's evenly divisible by like a ton of million numbers. If you're going to go with a grid thing, like four columns, it divides by four easily, it divides by three easily, it divides by two and six, and it's just, it's great for grids. Uh, just because of the resolution here of the screencast, we'll, we'll just pretend we'll use something like 500 for width. <clears throat> and we've decided that that's going to be really the, the width of the main content area of our website, right? That's all the stuff is going to go in it. And we'll just give it some arbitrary width. Let's maybe let's make it taller. <clears throat> and I've already screwed up. I had inches here. Let's put it in pixels. And create this new document, right? I'll drag it a little bigger so you can see the kind of canvas that I'm working with here. That's just going to be the main content area. So anything outside of that is going to be the background of our website. And we can, you know, pull the browser window down narrower and it will just hide that background area until it hits this chunk. And at that point is where you get the horizontal scroll bars, right? So obviously, we're not just designing just this 500 pixels of width. We need to design around it as well. We need to have a background. But the, you know, anyway, you see what I'm getting at, right? So when you design this Photoshop document, we're going to need to de design wider than 500 pixels. But, but this is the important area. So that's why I build the document at first to the content size. 
then I'll drag a couple rulers in that snap right to the easily to the outside of this uh, to the thing and then I'll double click the background layer which all I'm doing here is maybe I'll still call it background maybe but it just unlocks it you see how the lock went away over here and then I can bust open my canvas size thing and let's say we want it to be let's get well man let's make it 900 let's give ourselves 200 extra pixels on either side and just hit okay and what it's going to do there is I'll shrink this down a little bit is give us some extra room on the outside of the document but that background that white chunk still sits there right maybe I'll even bring it down a little bit like we're going to I'll grab this in our pointer tool and drag it down holding the shift and we can kind of see this is going to be the main content area of our website and and that it kept it exactly centered when I did that canvas size thing. So, okay, and then maybe I'll make a, or, or we'll call that, instead of calling it background, that was dumb, huh? We'll make a new layer by just click this little icon, the layer pal, call that background. Can't spell. We'll call this content. And we'll fill that a different color, black or something. That's fine, right? I, by feeling I just hit like option backspace there or something which fills with the foreground color and we already have we have some smart stuff going on a, a grid already starting to build this stuff so we're not just like drawing arbitrary layers around you know it's giving us some structure and we're already being smart about naming our layers and stuff we'll get into organization in a little bit so that's basically how I started document that's basically all I wanted to show you is that little trick for you know, creating the main content area first and then expanding your document for the background so that you get this nice, perfectly centered thing. As, you know, if you have a centered design, that's going to come up later when you start slicing this thing. So let's work a little bit with layer styles in this background. If you just double click anywhere on this layer, you'll bring up the layer styles palette in Photoshop, which a lot of the magic of Photoshop happens from these layer styles, right? There's like basically three things, I think, to mastering Photoshop. It's basically knowing all your layer styles, I think, knowing how to get good selections and masks, raster and vector masks, and blending modes is a huge one to me. So if you get really good at those things, uh, I think you'll be pretty good. Of course, there's lots of little techniques like using the pen tool and just you know having a good eye in general. But if you know your layer styles, your masks, and your blending modes, I think you can be a pretty pretty big Photoshop hero. Anyway, what layer styles do is just stuff like color overlay. So we have all this black in the background. I can just say, put a color overlay on it, and it will make it red. I can <clears throat> click onto this red and pick a different color instead, maybe a light gray or something like that. And you can see it in action as you do it, which is just kind of nice. You can see the implications of what you're doing as you do it. Pretty cool there. Uh... Lots of things. Maybe we'll we'll get into this a little bit more in a little bit, but this is where you could put <clears throat> a pattern on it instead. It's crazy alien eggs. Can you believe that's the default for Photoshop? Is when you click pattern, that's that's the default one every time. Great. Like anybody would ever use that. Here's you know the 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 these are some just ones that are packaged in with Photoshop. None of them are even that great, but you can find man on the web there is a just a gazillion you know texture roundups and stuff for photoshop so you can find stuff there let's not use a texture it's looking kind of hokey and just stick with our color overlay that we had okay we're not really going to design a full website layout here i'm just kind of showing you some tips and tricks to actually working with this thing but 
uh, uh, let's go make a little fake tab in here because I want to show you something about layer styles and gradients because that's you know one of the number one ways to apply gradients to an object in Photoshop is to use layer styles. You know there's a gradient tool as well that fills with gradients like <clears throat> well well that's a good thing you see what I did there? I just drug a a gradient across this background you can't see it why can't I see it because I have this effect this color overlay laying on top of it so it doesn't really matter what the content of this background is because that color overlay just hides everything uh, which is kind of interesting huh okay I'm gonna make a, a square like a tab like navigation might be right go like there and then I'll see it'll snap to this guide that we already have set up which is very useful right well, it's underneath the content, which is nice. Uh, if it was over, it would be, you know, sticking over, under. That's the, the concept of layers and that kind of Z-index, if you're a, a CSS guy, uh, how that works. We'll make it the same color as the background, only we want to, like, tuck it behind, right? We want to apply a little gradient-like shadow to this thing so it kind of looks like the main content area is over it. Okay, so we'll double click and open up to get a layer style going again and click the gradient overlay, which is by default this black to white gradient. Okay, uh, but that doesn't really look like a shadow, does it? It just looks a little bit too much, right? So there's a couple different ways to approach this. For one thing, we can drag the opacity slider down a little bit. Already, that's looking better, isn't it? I hope this comes across in the screencast. Okay, I know the low resolution is probably a little weird with subtle gradients, but. Uh, but it's still it's like covering like half of this thing, you know, like if we open the gradient You can see that it just goes from black to white, you know uh, One of the ways that we could adjust how this goes is actually to move these things around kind of push that shadow down a little bit actually that looks kind of good, but There's more ways to do this than that. This is the trick This is like my favorite trick that I only learned like a couple months ago, and I can't believe it I would always be in here trying to adjust the position of this gradient by doing stuff like this, by changing the scale of it, and I could never, you know, like, oh, that's, that's kind of right, but I kind of want, I wish it was a little lower. How do I do that? And then I'm in here screwing with stuff, and I can never quite get it right. Uh, let's put that scale back about where it was. You can literally just take your mouse outside of this thing, click onto this gradient, and just drag it around. You see that with the mouse? Like, that's amazing. You have so much control over gradient as soon as you learn that little trick. Wait, that's one of my favorites. But uh, And, you know, adjust the subtlety with the opacity, you know, and there's different types of gradients. They're not just straight on, you know. You can go radial. I mean, it's going to look dumb on this, but... Uh, and all these things have an effect. So what is, you know, when we're on linear you can adjust these angles and it's fairly obvious what that angle is doing but if you're on radial what does the angle mean well it actually does still have an effect so it's it kind of makes it bigger and smaller which is just weird so that's kind of a little trick that's kind of tip worthy i think is that adjusting the angle on a on a radial gradient does uh, a bit of the same thing that's that scale does so anyway, there's some tips on gradients. The big one is just how you can just move it around with your mouse. God, that's huge. I love it. Uh, layer styles, you know, just quickly are responsible for stuff like drop shadows. See, we got the drop shadow down here. Inner shadows, which is nice. A lot of times I use this like zero distance inner shadows for like photos and stuff is kind of a neat effect. Um, outer glow is a bit like drop shadow, only it's, you know, you can actually make an outer glow do exactly what a drop shadow does, but a lot of times it's a lighter thing for applying that 
outside, you know, like a glow, right? Bevel and boss is like that 3D effect, you know, and you can play with, with size and stuff. Know your layer styles, very useful stuff. I know I'm just glossing over this stuff, hardly useful, but just wanted to say that. Okay, so let's say we have an object down here. Maybe we have like a sidebar in here. And we want to use everything square so far. We want to do something rounded. So we'll pick the rounded rectangle tool, right? This tool up here, and you can see that there's a setting for this tool, which is how round do you want that rounded rectangle? We're saying 15 pixels. Let me just draw something, and you can see what happened there. Now it's underneath, like where is it? It's underneath the content. That's why you can't see it. I'll drag it upwards so it then becomes visible. Uh, the color is controlled by this black swatch here, which we could go in and pick anything we wanted to. Let's make it a light blue or something. Okay. <clears throat> but we just arbitrarily drug that on there, right? If we were smart, we would, we would have set up, maybe we'd set up gutters that are, you know, so that if we make another element down here, it'll snap to this guide and we can we can remain very organized. But if you think, oh, this is just too wide, I, I want to be half this wide, this arbitrary chunk on my site, right? If you grab a rounded rectangle in Photoshop and hit Command T, which is the free transform or, or edit transform, free transform, just free transform, it's on the transform menu. This does special stuff. Right, which I guess suppose we could get into this stuff, but <clears throat> basically just for resizing, right? That's what free transform does. If I just grab this thing and I shrink it, what happens to these rounded corners is they get all awkwardly, you know how it's like it comes down as far, but it, it's not as wide anymore, so it's not that nice, uh, 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 even rounded corner. Look at if I, if I draw, draw another one of these that's about the same size, the rounded corner is just so drastically different because I squished it. I squished it, and it was no good. How do you resize one that you've already created? You don't want to dra draw out a whole new one. Uh, let me back up, and we'll use our little history palette to back up there a little bit. <clears throat> nice feature in Photoshop, right? You don't just get the one undo. You can back up quite a ways. You can even, even this little camera down here, random trick. If you're at a good point, you know, you might as well hit create a new snapshot, which will create a, a point in your history that you can always come back to. Because if you do like 200 things, you won't be able to back up very far in history, but you can if you take a snapshot. Little random little trick there. So I want to resize this thing because we got it absolutely perfect. It's just too wide. So I don't want to draw a whole new one. I just want to resize the one I already got, right? Let's option click on it, which gives us that, you see that black outline came around here? That's showing us the vector path that creates this object, right? And I'll come onto my pen tool, which is just P or this thing. And if I hit, mm, what is it, option? We'll just, basically we, uh, 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 what's the, command key on a Mac, I guess it's control on a PC probably, which gives me the white arrow key, which allows me to select these little points. And if I hit shift, still holding the controller option key on a Mac, you can select multiple points and I can unselect, right? And then get my white arrow back again and I can move just these points, right? So I'm able to resize this thing, uh, but keep, you see how the, the, the corners here are staying okay. So I'll hold shift so I make sure I don't skew it any. And then I'm able to resize something with rounded corners without screwing it up. So that's a little random trick there. Um, so I was talking about the big things are our layer styles. And then another one is those blending modes. We didn't talk about blending modes at all. So I thought 
Oh, I'm sure we could dredge up a pretty cheesy example. I have this uh, stock photography folder that I keep, that I've kept forever and ever and ever across multiple jobs and through college and all that stuff. And I try to keep it organized. It's not as organized as good. It's not as extensive as I want, but it's kind of nice. You should, I think everybody should have this, you know, like any image you ever use for anything, any project, you know, it's nice to have in your project file, but eventually empty them out into like one central location, your stock photography thing. Try to keep it a little organized. So next time, if you're looking for bricks or dirt or drywall or anything like that, you have some stuff, some go-to stuff that you can grab. Um, which is kind of nice. I mean, you can find resources online, but this becomes part of your style as a designer is kind of reusing elements and stuff and, and, you know, not having to reach out and do research every time you have some, you know, some dirt textures that you like and stuff like that. Uh, let's say what we have here, brick wall. It's probably going to be super ugly, but uh, yeah, I mean, a little hard to use something like this on the web because it just doesn't lend itself to repeating patterns very well and um, that's kind of neat grungy stuff though. Um, let's just drag this into our document, which I can just click and drag and move it over there, right? Obviously it's humongous, way bigger than our web document. That happens a lot with stock photography, you know, it's made for print or it's just made to be adaptable and it's just gigantic and the web isn't. So we can always hit tree, tree, tree transform and then if you hit control zero, it'll zoom out to the point where you can see all the handles on the thing that you're, you're resizing. If I didn't do that, let's see if I can zoom back into normal size here. And I hit tree, free transform. I, ju I just hit it, Command T. I'm I'm in the mode to transform this thing, but I can't see any of the handles to resize it. How do I get those handles? <coughs> Control Zero will zoom out far enough to get me all those handles that I need. Then I can, uh, for example, hold Shift, which will uh, resize the thing maintaining its proportion so it doesn't get weird i can hold shift and option which will uh what is it Sh shift and option yeah will resize from the middle which is fairly useful anyway uh like i said i'm just spouting off some tricks and stuff about how i photoshop and i'll hit uh command option zero which will zoom into a hundred percent but we're gonna work at 50 so we can see what we're doing just because of the screen resolution of the screencast is a little limiting, right? So it's sitting up above our content area and, and and underneath our weird little shape here. Let's take this opportunity before I get any further and talk about organization a little bit. This is already getting unruly to me. I'm a very organized person. You know, I come from the CSS thing, which is just like pure organization. It helps to be organized on the web. I like to be organized just as organized in Photoshop as I am on the web. Let's get let's let's get this thing in order. I know it's nothing. It's not going to turn into a website or anything like that. But just for the sake of example, let's do it. This isn't shouldn't be called layer one. It should be called bricks. That's what they are. It's very easy to find this layer now that it's called bricks. Uh, 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 I'll call this thing my sidebar box. <clears throat> Content is already great. Let's put the bricks just above the background layer. This is that little tab we made, right? I'll call it. Well, you gotta be careful. If you double click right on the name, you should be able to edit the name, but anywhere else will open the effect. So right on the name, uh, tab nav or something like that. 
And I'll, I'll even be anal about capitalization and stuff like that. Um, let's hide the effects. We don't really need to see those right now. And so we're starting to get a little organized here. But both this, both the bricks and the background are part of the background, right? So I'll option or I'll, I'll command click them and get them both selected, and then shift click onto the folder, which will put them into a folder. Boom, group one. And I'll call that folder background. So if I can uh, now, I can turn both of them on and off at the same time. Still can do it individually, but I can, now I'm organized into a group here. So I might do that if we had another tab. Now I'm going to duplicate this layer. One way to do that is to hold on to it and press Command-J, which will just make another one. And I could drag it over if I wanted to design another tab. Or you can drag it down on the little page icon and I'll do the same thing, right? So let's say we have a bunch of navigation up here in our layout. Wow, this is a god-awful layout, isn't it? I'm sorry about that. We should have probably designed something worth looking at, but oh well. I can grab all three of these, shift-click, and put them in a folder called Navigation. Navigation. And I can turn them all on and off at once. You know, that's this is how I work. And I might even, if I had a logo and some other stuff up there, I might uh, uh, put those in folders and then put them all in a folder called Header, you know, just to stay super-duper organized. So... Um, blending modes was one of those things we were going to talk about, right? Let's say this background isn't black. Why is it black? It's not. It's gray, right? If we grab these bricks and we put them on multiply mode, you'll see what happens there. It just darkened a little bit, right? Because it's now you can, it's just darkening the gray. Or not really darkening. That's a, that's a, that's a, a, a thing too. It's kind of like if you had a black sh a drop shadow on an object, right? And you can imagine this black gradient hanging off the side of an edge, right? Instead of it just being a black gradient hanging off an edge, it multiplies that blackness onto whatever's behind it. So it like casts onto it and make looks like a realistic shadow. That's kind of the deal with, with the multiply mode. Uh, maybe if we have another image, it will become a little more obvious how that works. Maybe is there an, an animal that we could use? <laughs> this is gonna really be like end up being this like heinously nasty thing. Wow, a big giant frog's eye. Let's drag him in here too and resize him down. And so you can, this will make it a little more obvious what's going on with the blending mode. Okay. Wow, what a disaster. But if I take this frog now and put him on multiply mode, you'll see the bricks come through because it's kind of going to be like melting these layers together a little bit. You see that? So even right there, look at look at how kind of cool that is to like see the bricks through his eyeball and stuff like that. I mean, this is just an atrocity of a bad layout, but you can kind of see how some of these advanced Photoshop effects are are done. And you know, this is nothing compared to the the masters of Photoshop. But you can just knowing that these blending modes exist and how that kind of how these layers kind of melt together, and when you have you know three four things combined and cool effects. How that works. Let's take a look at a few more of them. Color burn should make some pretty drastically weird stuff going on there. All of these have their have their usefulnesses. You know, there's a lighten, which kind of uh, just the lighter areas of the frog lighten up the background behind it, where the darker areas just kind of go away. Uh, laying a screen over the top. It's 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 um, 
overlay is a good one to use a lot of times. It's hard to, in this short of a screencast, go into the intricacies of each one. I don't even know the intricacies of, of, of a lot of them, but I know I use multiply a lot. I use overlay a lot. Uh, yeah, color burn is kind of good when, like, with use and gradients a lot of times. Um, okay, okay, there's that. Um, let's talk a little bit about exporting this thing, and I can't even pretend to export this document as it is, because uh, it's just nothing worth looking at, but I'll stop talking about that. Let's say we wanted this box, or f for whatever reason, we needed to, to export just this chunk of the site, right? Um, we could talk a little bit about slicing in Photoshop. We have these guides set up, and let's say we had some guides in here. And just real quickly, we we're gonna uh, uh, wanted to slice it. We'll select the slice tool and just hit slices from guides here, which will just create like a grid of of, of slices to export. Um, they call this the claw, saving up from Photoshop. It's Command Option Shift S. It's like all these buttons at once saves for the web. So us web guys are doing that all the time. We can select individual slices now that we want to export, right? And it gets this little brown border around it. And <clears throat> so I want to export just this little blue box area, right? Well, it's set on JPEG right now. Just real briefly, a lot of you probably already know this, but uh, 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 there's some formats that are that work best for the web. Basically, it's JPEG, GIF, and PNG, right? Maybe they'll change someday, but for a long, long time, it's been JPEG, GIF, and PNG, and even PNG is kind of new to the party. In a nutshell, JPEG is good for stuff that's kind of photographic or heavy on gradients that has a lot of different colors in it. Lots of different colors, like a picture of a face or something. That's definitely going to be a JPEG type of thing. PNG and GIF are going to be for things with limited colors. Like th on this slice, you can see it has light blue and white. JPEG is not a good solution for this slice. Ping is. So there's these two options, ping 8 and ping 24. Which ping do you pick? Ping 8 has a, is, is almost identical to GIF, okay? Only it's just better. It has, usually it has a smaller file size. And people talk about the, you, you need ping hacks for... Uh, IE6 and pings have all these problems. Ping 8s don't. If you use ping 8, it's is exactly the same amount of browser compatibility as GIF does. It has this, um, it saves as a color palette, so it has transparency, but only, it doesn't have alpha transparency. A thing can't be only kind of transparent. It's either, a pixel is either transparent or not, just like GIF, you know? Uh, anyway, so much to get into, but... You almost never need GIFs. Unless you need animation, you almost never, ever need GIF. It's ping 8 is the same thing as a GIF, only it has smaller file sizes. You might as well use it. The compatibility problems come in with ping 24. This slice won't have a problem because it doesn't have any transparency at all. But if you use alpha transparency, right, like you want to drop shadow and, and it, you want it to kind of just lay on top, you know, of, of what's behind it, a little bit like multiply mode or whatever, uh, 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 so that, you know, you can move it around and no matter what's behind it, you can kind of see through alpha transparency. That's what IE6 has troubles with. This doesn't have any transparency at all. We don't need ping 24 because it just is, it's, it's more data than we need. You can see ping 8 is a smaller file size down here. 535 bytes versus 700 bytes. Hardly matters, but it can make a huge difference bigger. So again, exporting... If something is like picturesque or has a lot of colors in it, like a gradient, 
JPEG, usually. Oh, there's so many little gotchas in here, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, something like this particular slice, this little blue box with white around it, ping 8 is our game. Let me move this, something's weird, I can't get to my buttons. And we will say save. Now notice we have just this one selected. We can select different slices and give them different options, but we won't get into that now. We just have just this one selected. I'll hit save and then it says, what do you want to call it? And this is another weird thing. It's, 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 it's giving me a file name like untitled1-ping, but if I actually save this thing, it's not gonna just save that one slice as untitled1-ping. <clears throat> it's going to, uh, people are Twittering me. <laughs> It's going to make an images folder, and it's going to make all kinds of slices, all named untitled-1-1, and then like through however many slices there are in the document. We don't want that to happen. If we just want just this slice, which happens sometimes, you can go down here and say slices selected slices, and then it really will be called un uh, 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 untitled-1-ping. Let's just hit save there. <clears throat> and it'll go away, and it should show up on our desktop. And then, oh, it does go into an images folder still. That's fine. And there's our little ping slice, okay? If I was going to export some of these bricks, let's do that. Actually, let me, let me crop this down. Let's grab our cropping tool here and grab a chunk of bricks over here and claw out and save for the web and take a look. Now, something like this, instantly my mind goes JPEG, of course, right? Because it's, it's just, there's a lot of colors, a lot of detail here in that photo-esque type of sense. So it's probably going to be JPEG, but we can take a look. This is 14K JPEG. We can adjust the quality up and down to see what we get here. Now, be careful if you have ad adjacent slices, and this one I give a really low quality to, and the other one has a different quality level. They might not match up real good. Uh, stuff like that, but we can adjust the quality and lowering the quality obviously lowers the file size, which is a good thing. But let's pop this over to ping. Right there we're at 16K, and that's at only at 64 colors. 128 is a lot more common, or 20K. So uh, the quality probably isn't as good, and it's a bigger file size. Ping 8 just isn't a good match for this. And this is a process you can do every time you make a slice. You can be like, what's the best image setting for both quality and file size? Usually, they're a match. You know, it's like you get the best quality when you have a good match. It's it's better quality and lower file size. It's not usually a trade-off, uh, except for I guess in the case of Ping Twenty Four. When you pick Ping Twenty Four, it has this whatever this unlimited color palette or whatever. I'm not even sure how to explain it, but it's it's like it's like pixel by pixel perfect. There's no compression really when I save it for this but look at the file size it's 56k for this tiny image you know a lot of websites are like striving to be like 200k in total well just this little bricks a fourth of that I mean ping 24 is just it's it's awesome but it's huge file sizes and I can't really see like whole websites being created with ping 24 uh, especially with large background images and stuff uh, for a long time until we can download three megabyte websites in like two seconds you know uh, Ping 24 is pretty cool, but uh, you can't use it for everything, you know? So this is definitely a JPEG kind of choice. So you get it. I'm kind of rambling on that. Uh, I'm sure you all know most of that anyway, right? Let's just get rid of this. So I cropped down. Look at this. What if I accidentally saved it? It would save cropped. That'd be a bummer, right? So we can back up in our history and make sure that we don't do that. 
Uh, but I'm not going to save it. I'm literally going to whisk this thing away to the trash Never Never Land because I never want to see it again. Um, <clears throat> what I had open, like you probably saw it, I flashed it for two seconds, was this little layout for Are My Sites Up, which maybe I'll introduce in a second as a brand new site that I, I, I designed and me and Richard to develop worked on it and released it. It's a tool for keeping track of your websites when they're up and when they're down. Anyway, this is a super simple layout, right? Uh, I kind of like it. We can go look at it on the web in a little bit, but this is, you know, this is how I work. Uh, see how my layers palette out here, how organized it is. The background is literally the background, the sidebar over there, the navigation all in one folder, the main content, the header area <clears throat> has its own thing. And then this is where I got this idea to do this body border thing was this upper layer up here. Um, just an example of a real life site. This is the real life Photoshop file that I used to create that website. Um, it has guides. I built it the same way. I used those you know, my gradient techniques, you know, got stuff lined up that way. Just an example. Let's take a look at it. I didn't do anything to this to save it. Let me pop open Firefox, I guess. Firefox, Firefox, slow. Um, are my sites up? This is the site. Looks familiar, huh? There's, there wasn't any content in it in Photoshop, so it looks a little different. But here's our border and our background and, you know, our little kind of 3D go-down-y sidebar thing. Or does it come up? It's kind of an optical illusion, isn't it? You can kind of force your eyes to look like the sidebar's coming at you or receding back. It's kind of weird. Anyway, this is the site. We only launched it late last week, I guess. It's a little service to keep track of if your websites are up or down. So my account is just under my email address and I'll log in and get a big list of my sites, all kinds of sites I'm keeping a watch on. Um, to be perfectly honest, we're having a little weird hiccups the last day or two and, and sites that are looking down that aren't really down and getting some double emails and stuff we're you know we're working on it in the back end don't worry about it bear with us we'll get there it's like 90 percent working it's just a few little quirks like i'm pretty sure this site isn't down right now but it's showing us down but it's a good example so what it looks like so you can add all your sites in here and monitor them all in one place in your settings section you can enter your phone number so you can get um, sms text messages when your site's going on if you're out and about and you have a really important site uh, uh, you can get a text message on your phone that way. There's going to be Twitter integration coming soon, like you know, direct message when it comes down. It's not in there quite yet, but it'll be there really soon. Um, and, of course, it sends you an email when your sites go up or down. Um, so it's a really simple service. It's free to sign up. Come check it out, that type of thing. So there you go. Um, of course, check out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Clicking stuff. CSS tracks tricks-tricks.com that's me more tips and tricks throughout the week lots more stuff on the blog than there are screencasts you know i just did a, a roundup uh last year uh for 2008 because we're, we're just in the beginning part of january here i did a roundup and i looked at some statistics and stuff i posted like 200 and some odd posts to the blog and we only did 48 screencasts so obviously 
280, I think. I mean, man, that's just a ton of posts. You know, there's only 365 days a year. It's like almost every day there's new content. It's always good stuff that might slow down a little bit this year. I hope not too much, but, you know, committing to 200 some posts is a lot of stuff. Anyway, lots of stuff there. Forums for help, downloads, lots of community here. Check out the site. Until next time, folks, I will see you later. Bye.